Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught my benight soul to understand that there is a God, that there is a Savior too. Once I redemption neither sought nor knew, some view our sable race with a skullful eye. Their color is a diabolic dye. Remember, Christians, Negroes, black as cane, may be refined and join the analogic train. That is a poem by Phyllis Wheatley about being brought from Africa to America. Hi, my name is Autumn, and this is the podcast of Phyllis Wheatley, considered to be the first African-American woman to be published in North America and the second woman in America to be published. In 1761, a young girl around the age of seven arrived in Boston from the long journey of coming from Africa. She was small, had missing front teeth, and was deemed to have a low market price. However, she was the perfect gift for John Wheatley and his wife Susanna. John decided to name the slave after the ship she arrived on, the Phyllis. No one knew that she would later become the founding mother of African-American literature. Some historians believe John Wheatley bought Phyllis since their daughter, Sarah, passed away at age seven, the same age Phyllis was when she came to Africa. In many ways, Phyllis was a surrogate daughter to the Wheatleys. John and Susanna both chose chose to educate Phyllis within 16 months of her arrival. She was taught how to read the Bible, Greek and Latin classics, and British literature, as well as studied astronomy and geography. Though the education, they realized that she had a sense of poetry. At age 14, she wrote her first poem. A little bit later, the publication of an aggregate poem on the death and celebrate divine of George Whitfield in 1770 brought her a lot of notoriety. In 1773, Wheatley got the financial support from the English Countess of Huntington and traveled to England with John's son to help publish her first collection of poems. The collection was called Poems on Various Subjects, Religious, and Morals. At that time, Thomas Jefferson had a copy of these poems with the spelling of her name correctly. If we remember correctly, Thomas Jefferson was not the nicest person towards slaves. He was often deemed racist. Also, General Washington was an inspiration to one of Wheatley's poems at this time. The, po- the title of the poem is To Excellency George Washington. He liked it so much, he invited Wheatley to a meeting when he was stationed in Cambridge. They had a meeting for at least 30 minutes, uninterrupted. That was very unheard of at the time. In her poetry, she never addresses her personal efforts, but she uses it as a, to help manipulate the facts of her sex and her race to some advantages. Phyllis also used her poetry as a sign of protest against the unjust. As historian Laverne explains, she took pride in her African 
identity, and she cultivated relationships with anyone else, black or white, who directly or indirectly will help to end slavery. With the success of her first book, she was granted freedom by John Wheatley. Also, many of Wheatley's poems touch on the religion aspect of being converted into Christianity. There is very little information that we know about Phyllis Wheatley after the first collection of her poems were published. From 18, I mean, sorry, 1776 to her death in 1784, there was only four poems published. In 1778, John Wheatley passed away. This meant Phyllis would have to even more take care of herself. A little bit after John Wheatley passed away, she married a free slave named John Peters. She, she courted him for a while. She wanted to wait before she got married. Many historians believe that she waited so long because she wanted to use that freedom she worked so hard to get. While married, Phyllis had a very hard time. She suffered from three different miscarriages. She also wanted to help provide for her family while still working on her poetry. Phyllis had a very hard time trying to find an American publisher to publish more of her poems. Also, she then traveled to England to hope that someone can publish her poems. While, work, while still working on her poetry, she worked as a scrub woman in boarding houses. She passed away in December of 74 from complications of childbirth. One of Phyllis Wheatley's most popular poems ever published was called A Hymn to the Evening, and here is a narration of it. Soon as the sun forshook the eastern main, the pealing thunder shook the heavy plain. With gestic gender from the zeppelin wing, excels the incense of blooming spring. Soft, pure the streams, the birds renew the notes. And though the air they minged music floats, though all the heavens of what beauteous dyes are spread, but the west glories in the deepest red. So may our breasts be with every virtue glow, the living temples of our God below, filled with the praise of him who gives the light and draws the sable curtains of the night. Let the passage slumbers smooth each way, each weary mind, at morn to wake more, heavily more refined. So shall the labors of the day begin, more pure, more guarded from the snares of sin. Night's leaden serpent seals my drowry eyes, then sees my song, till far aurora rises. Hearing that poem, a lot of things come to mind. Like, we can totally tell her relationship with God and her Christianity views that she got after she arrived. Though we know many things about the famous Phyllis Wheatley poet, we don't know other aspects of her life other than just poetry.
She was a very famous pen pal and even a protester of rights. Phyllis had a pen pal. Her name was Adora Turner of Newport, Rhode Island. She was also a slave woman that later became free. And these letters that they sent back and forth shows the friendship between them. They also show that they repeat our Savior and very strong hints of the Christian religion. We believe it's because they want to show their thankfulness of being freed. Also, that these letters show that there were so many different aspects of slave lives that it's not just work. Prior to this, we saw letters saying Dear Mammy and very various forms of calling other women. Phyllis started all these letters saying Dear Friend and that shows the personal story in connection between these two. In 2018, it is not very common for Phyllis Wheatley poem to be read, but we see her courage and her legacy still shine through. Phyllis helped pioneer women and African Americans get into the poetry field. Phyllis took the education that the Wheatleys so gratefully gave to her and helped spread it through every poem she wrote. She continued to write down all of her poems even when she was working long, strange hours and recovering from two to three miscarriages. I believe Wheatley doesn't have a bigger legacy in the United States because at she was the first. There was a lot of other poetry that came out of history and it covers her up often. Also, she was a slave at the time. It was deemed inappropriate if you read these books. So a lot of people didn't want to admit they actually read them. Through the research and everything, Phyllis Wheatley taught me a lot about my dreams and how never to give up on them. Especially as a woman in the United States, we have to fight harder to get them, but they're going to pay off at the end. As a closing quote, on May 8, 2017, English professor Barbara Lewis brought to C-SPAN a whole hour and a half lecture about who Phyllis Wheatley was and why her legacy should live on. Also, Phyllis Wheatley is, has her own monument as part of the Boston Women's Memorial. She is a sculpture in bronze. And on her plaque, it says a little brief biography of her poem about imagination, that is. Imagination, who can sing thy force? Or who describes the swiftness of thy course? Soaring through air to find the bright ado, thy empire balance of thundering God. We are thy pinions can suppress the wind and leave the rolling universe behind. From star to star, the mental opus rove, measures the skies and range the realms above. The 
there in one view we grasp the mighty whole, or with the new worlds amaze thy unbounded soul. Phyllis Wheatley teaches us to live the best we can and work incredibly hard for our goals because we can reach them and suppress everyone that never said we could. While Wheatley was writing her famous poem, John Milton was also getting inspired to write his. They were completely opposite of each other's. Wheatley seemed to understand her place in the world as the part of the emerging world, while Milton came from the English Republic. Wheatley's poems read as a self-contained whole with a single metaphoric narrative poetry that almost anyone could understand. While Milton, on the other hand, wrote only to show the exclusivity of culture construct. Milton has traditions to develop and express and respond to the, these struggles of the community. An example of a fellow sweetly letter to Oberon Turner, to Oberon Turner in Newport. Boston, October 30th, 1773. Dear Boo, I reckon your most kind epicidals of August 27th and October 13th by a young man of your acquaintance, for which I oblige to you. I hear of your welfare with pleasure, but this acquaintance, you that I am, I am at present indisposed by a cold, and since my arrival have been visited by asthma. Your observations on your dependence on the deity and your hopes that my weights will be supplied from his fullness, which is in Christ Jesus, is truly worthy of yourself. I can't say but my voyage to England has concluded to the recovery, in great measure, of my health. The friends I found there among the nobility and the gentle, their benevolent conduct to, towards me. The unexpected, unmerited civility and complacence with which I was treated by all fills me with a shunnement. I can scarcely realize it. This, I humbly hope, has the happy effect of lessening me in my own esteem. Your reflection on the suffering of Son of God and the vestimal price of your immortal souls plainly demonstrate the sensations of the soul unite to Jesus. What you observe of Ezra is true of all mankind who left to themselves would sell their heavenly birthrights for few moments of sensual pleasure, whose wages at last, dreadful wages, is internally condemned. Dear Boo, let us not sell a birthright for a thousand words, which indeed would be as dust upon the balance. The God of the seas and dry land has graciously brought me home in safety. Join me in thanks to him. For great of mercy, and that it may excite me to praise him with cheerfulness, to preserve in grace and faith, and in knowledge of our Creator and Redeemer, 
that's my heart may filled with gratitude. I should have been pleased greatly see Miss West. As I imagine she knew you. I I've been very busy ever since my arrival, or should have now wrote more particular account of my voyage. But I must submit that satisfaction to some other opportunity. I am, dear friend, most affectionately yours, Phyllis Wheatleaf.